Now we turn to this morning's scripture reading. I invite you to listen for God's voice as our friend Rebecca shares with us today's gospel reading from the Gospel of Mark. He set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was Gentile, a Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Well, now I'd like to introduce this morning's guest preacher. All throughout the season of Lent, we have been hearing stories from United Methodist clergy people serving in the Flint area. Our hope is that as you hear stories from these pastors about how God called out to them and guided their steps, you will also be learning how to recognize God's voice, to hear and to answer God's call when it comes. Our guest preacher this morning is Pastor Carol Blair Baus. Pastor Carol is the pastor of the Hope United Methodist Church in Flint Township. Pastor Carol has degrees from Adrian College and the Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. Pastor Carol is married. She has two teenage sons. She loves to cook. She's an accomplished musician. She loves to read. She has been a dear friend for longer than I can remember. And I am so very excited today to introduce her and to welcome her as she prepares to share the good news of God's love with the people of the Court Street United Methodist Church. So who doesn't love a parade? Now, I grew up in a small farming village, population about 500. Now, we were home to the annual bean festival over Labor Day weekend. Every year on Monday at 11 o'clock, there was a parade. It was the highlight of the festival. Everyone from the area turned out. The school marching band played. There was the Bean Queen along with all the other area agricultural queens and their courts. You know, the Sugar Queen, the Potato Queen, the Pumpkin Queen, the Pickle Queen, the Blueberry Queen, you name it. Plus church floats and, of course, fire trucks and the veterans. And yet we had something special. Tractors. Lots of tractors. Big shiny new ones from the dealership and more than a hundred antique tractors. They would be on display for the day. It was hard to beat the Bean Festival Parade, at least in my opinion. Yet, in this little town where my call developed, well, maybe it wasn't during the parade, but it was part of it. For you see, the church I belong to lie right at the end of the parade route, across the street from the school where the festival was held. Every year, the church had to decide, open the church to the community or close it. The answer was always open. When I was in high school, the church decided to stop the everyday food stand on the grounds. But instead of stopping altogether, 
They simply moved it into the church building. And a new tradition was born. And it's still going strong today. On Monday, Labor Day, if you want a sloppy joe, head over to the United Methodist Church. You can still get one. And you'll find that church open to the community. Why do I tell you a story? Well, the truth is, as I said, my call began in this small church, which opened itself up to the community. Today is Palm Sunday, a day that begins the most holy week in our church calendar. We'll gather virtually for worship as a mission zone on Thursday as we celebrate a tenebrae service in word and music and experience the extinguishing of candles in the darkness as we hear again the retelling of the last 24 hours of the life of Jesus. Yet first, we have to start with his entry into Jerusalem. I invited you to hear two passages of scripture this morning. The first, Luke's retelling of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. We are all most familiar, likely familiar with this passage if we've spent any time in the church. We heard it each year on this Sunday. We may have paraded around our sanctuary with palm branches We may have listened to our children singing fun songs. And for some of us, we go from the joy of the parade right to the celebration of Easter, and we miss the whole point in the middle. But the second passage, that one is much more difficult for many of us to hear. In fact, it makes most of us very uncomfortable. It's a passage found in Mark and in Luke, and it's Jesus' encounter with the Seraphonician woman. For most of us, this encounter seems counter to who Jesus is and the love he shares. Yet I think it's important to put this passage into context. Throughout Jesus' ministry, his focus has always been on bringing the people of Israel back to God. So here is a non-Jew coming to Jesus, begging for healing. And now we know that this is not the only time when a non-Jew has asked for healing, but it's only one of three. And it's the only time a woman of non-Jewish background asks for healing. So let's face it. She has no standing in society. Yet she comes to Jesus and begs, knowing she has nothing to lose. She has seen her daughter suffer, and she's heard of Jesus. And she knows he will likely treat her unkindly, yet is willing to take the abuse for the chance of having her daughter healed. She goes And she barges into the house and falls, the scripture says, at Jesus' feet. And Jesus does exactly what she expects. He treats her with, just as her social status suggests, not worthy of his time. Yet, he does listen to her. And in her persistence, he heals her daughter. 
She understands the rules of the society, but says even the leftovers must go somewhere. And Jesus responds, good answer. And her daughter is healed. So here we have these two stories, a parade and the outcast. What in the world do they have to do with each other? I think a lot. And let me explain. I told you I grew up in this rural farming community in a small country church. Yet here is the thing I learned from a young age. Everyone is welcome. My home church is first floor, ground level, not a single step. Unfortunately, there were steps to get to the sanctuary. And I remember climbing those steps as a little girl and helping older people up those steps. But when I was about seven or eight, there was a woman who was wheelchair bound who came to the church and each Sunday, my dad or others would help carry her up the stairs so she could come to worship. Until one day, my dad was not one of those who were carrying her. And he saw the look of helplessness and fear on her face. And from that point on, there was a push to put in an elevator. Not a chairlift, but a full elevator. And by the time I was 10, my little country church had the first elevator in the district. We had less than 75 people in worship, but every one of them could get into our sanctuary. But it didn't stop with the elevator. I remember Kim. She had Down syndrome, but we had this birthday bank. It was for missions and she held it every Sunday. She was so proud to participate. Or there was Minnie, a widow. She always took the money at the Bean Festival food stand. I can stand here and think of so many names that taught me that all of us have a place at the table. And I began to see from a young age how the church needed everyone. And as I got older and my call got stronger and I went off to Adrian College and I studied music, my senior year, I got a job at Lambertville United Methodist Church as the choir director. And it was about 45 minutes from school, but I was only about 10 minutes from where my grandparents lived, which meant on Wednesday nights, choir rehearsal and Sundays after church, I got home-cooked meals, way better than dorm food, let me tell you. And I treasure the time I spent with them. If you have grandchildren, you know the joy they bring. And if you are blessed to still have your grandparents, I beg you, take the time to be in their lives. You will be blessed beyond measure. But one thing you need to know is that I love my grandparents a whole lot. But my grandfather and I didn't always see eye to eye on theology. My grandfather was a missionary at Redbird Mission starting in 1957 and eventually becoming, coming back to Michigan, becoming an EUB pastor and a United Methodist pastor after the merger. But he left 
in the very early 1970s because the United Methodist Church was too liberal and he joined another denomination. In my grandfather's pastor's heart continued as he taught me and so many about the gift of second chances which played out in my life in ways I was definitely not expecting. But as I was preparing to go to seminary and we would get into these discussions, if that's what you wanted to call them, my grandmother didn't call them that, I'll tell you that. Yet in the end, we always came back to loving each other, knowing that we were better together and we needed each other. And as I headed off to seminary, he gave me a Bible. And I treasure it. I still have it. And I have other of his books. But it's this picture that means the most to me. It was taken the night of my ordination as an elder, less than a year before his death. He was so proud to celebrate with me because we both knew that the church needed us both. We both were claimed and named in the body of Christ. We were both called by God to the work of ordained ministry differently, but very much a part of the whole. Yet, for as much as we were different, when we came down to the core of loving Jesus, we were the same. My call is to make sure that there is room at the table to help tear down walls and barricades and obstacles that stand in the way, like my father did when he helped lead the way to build an elevator in a rural church when no other church even considered doing that, even big churches. It was too expensive. But to make sure that there was a place for everyone to come regardless of what society says. Finding a place for everyone to serve regardless of age or ability like my little church did. To make sure that there are second chances given like my grandfather taught me. And to make sure that there's a place for disagreement but always surrounded by love knowing that we need one another to challenge each other, to learn from one another and to see the other's viewpoint. Jesus was challenged by the Seraphonician woman to be included even when society said no. And Jesus said that even if we stopped rejoicing on Palm Sunday, the stones would shout out. The church needs all of us and we need to see how powerful we are when we are together. So who is included in your parade you may say that since I'm a wooden woman, I shouldn't be up here preaching. Yet I would say that God has called me and it is as powerful and true as a call as any other because there is a place for me at the table. And the parade is big enough for all of us. God is calling each of us. to be here for each other. 
Don't exclude one another. Jesus welcomed and healed the Seraphonician woman and told the Pharisees that if the disciples didn't rejoice, even the stones would shout. So be ready for a parade and welcome everyone to it. For God is welcoming all of us today. Amen and amen.